0: So good to be here. Thank you so much for having me. And it's, um, it's so exciting. I can't tell you how exciting it is to be here and see what God is doing here at Concord Church. I mean, we, as Andy mentioned, um, five years ago, we started with a small little group of people in St. Nick's and things have grown, and to see what's happened here with a handful of people who started this church and to see this amazing array of people here today, it is so exciting and so encouraging and just reminds us that God is on the move. He's at work in this city, and he's doing stuff. And uh, we get to be part of what he's doing, which is really exciting. And I, I I want to kind of kick off this new year by looking at a passage that Andy mentioned earlier. It's Luke 11, verse 1 to 13. And this is, by the way, this is Luke's account. So there are four Gospels, I'm sure you're aware, which is four accounts of the the life of Jesus uh, put together by four different people. um, And they all have slightly different emphases. Luke is quite often punchy uh, to the point. So this is, you may recognize this passage because it's also in Matthew. Matthew's much more like wordy, loves to sort of put loads of words and elaboration. Luke is like, give me the bullet point version. This is the bullet point version. Okay, so listen to this. Luke 11. One day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. He said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, give us each day our daily bread, forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us, and lead us not Or if you ask for an egg, we'll give them a scorpion. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So I want to use this passage to help us think about how we might start this new year, 2024. I don't know how many of you have had any New Year's resolutions or goals for 2024. Just give, give me a little indication. Anyone with any goals or New Year's resolutions for 2024? You don't have to tell me what they are. Just, just a little straw poll. Some people have got some. Okay. A few. Well, I have the same goals every single year. Do more exercise, eat more healthily, and see my friends more often. Those are my three, they're my three. And I start again at the beginning of every year and say, I'm going to do that again. And this year, to help me, I've decided that I'm going to do something to help me achieve those goals is, not the last one actually, but the first two, is to do the Bristol 10K. Has, yeah, I know. Ooh, has, anyone, has anyone here done the, ever done the Bristol 10K? No. Okay. Oh, yes. Fantastic. Amy. Very impressive. Okay, so, uh, other than Amy, I feel really virtuous because no one else has got even even <laughs> half that goal. So that's my aim this year. So I'm thinking really excitedly about how I'm going to do that. And in order to help me do that, for Christmas, I got this, um, this special watch, which helps record how much exercise I do. And it has these little rings on there. I don't know if anyone else has got one of these watches, but it's got three rings. And each ring tells me, if I complete the ring throughout the day, it means I've done a good job. One ring is about standing up enough. So one is if I've stood up enough and not sat down too much, Okay, So that's one. The second one is about how much I move during the day, and the third one is if I do exercise, proper exercise. And every day it tells me whether I've completed those three rings. And uh, the other day, I was, I was, um, I was sitting down at my work, and uh, I've been sitting down for quite a while, and my, my watch suddenly spoke to me and it said, you need to stand up. I was like, my goodness. So I had to stand up, and it said I need to stand up. So I went, made a cup of coffee, came back, and then it, was a, it did a little vibration, and then on it it had a little uh, saying, well done. I felt so good about myself. It's really encouraging me. So, um, and then, uh, but yesterday, I forgot to take my watch. We went for a whole day without my watch. And I got back, uh, and I put my watch on this morning, and it said, yesterday was not a good day. <laughs> Didn't complete any of my three rings. And I was like, but I didn't wear the watch. And it didn't it didn't care about that. It just said, should we start again today? And I thought, yeah, okay, we'll start again today. So the watch is really helping me trying to achieve my goals. And after a while, I I thought, I'm everything the watch says, I'm trying to do. And I thought, do I have the same approach to God? Does God, what God do I obey God as much as I obey my watch? Do I obey God when he speaks to me? Do I listen and do I obey? And it was as I was thinking about that, I was reading this passage where the disciples basically are looking for a model to follow. I don't know if you, who you follow. Do you follow anyone on social media, someone you'd love to be like? The disciples are following Jesus because they want to be like him. And at the beginning of this passage, one of the disciples, after he's come back from praying, I imagine he did that every single day. I imagine that the disciples they all sort of, who's gonna ask him? Who's gonna ask? You ask, you ask, no, you ask. This one disciple goes and says, Lord, teach us to pray. In other words, we've all watched you. How do you do it? How do you manage to pray like you do? What do you do? And Jesus replies with what we've now become um, familiar with as the Lord's Prayer. He says, when you pray, say. It's very short and punchy in Luke. It says, "When when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. That's all I want to look at this morning. When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. So I just want to take out from that one verse, three encouragements for us for this year as we begin it. Three things we might want to think about doing if we want to follow Jesus into 2024, regardless of who else you might be following. So here's the first point. Get your priorities right. Get your priorities right. Verse two, Father... Hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. In Matthew, he adds on, your will be done. Your kingdom come, your will be done. I was thinking a little bit about, again, about my priorities. And there's nothing wrong with goals. There's nothing wrong with wanting to run the Bristol 10K. It's a great thing to want to do. I don't know what your goals might be. But the danger of New Year's resolutions is that they're all about us. They're basically about how I can improve my life, myself, and there's nothing wrong with that. The danger is that that's all that is. It's just about me. In other words, I'm not praying, thy kingdom come. I'm praying, my kingdom come, if that was my prayer. I want my kingdom to, This is how I want my kingdom to look like in 2024. I want to achieve this. And again, there's nothing wrong with that, but in terms of priorities... Jesus is saying, no, 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 don't start with that. That's the priorities are all the wrong way around. Start with Father. Look up first. Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Thy will be done. And it's not that God doesn't care about what we want or what we need. In fact, the next part of the prayer, the prayer says, give us today, us. Our daily bread, what we need. But don't get the priorities the wrong way around. Start with the Lord, and everything else uh, fits fits in much better. Uh, C.S. Lewis wrote one of my favorite favorite books of all time called The Great Divorce. It's all about a picture of what heaven might look like. There's an interesting quote in there that C.S. Lewis says this There are two kinds of people in the end those who say to God, Thy will be done. And those to whom God says, in the end, thy will be done. In other words, God will give you what you want. If you can want to put him first and say, I want you to have your way in my life. Or if you say, I want my life, God will just say, okay, you go for it. You go on your own. That's fine. But actually to put God first at the beginning of this year is a great way to start the year. And all the other priorities flow from that. Uh, and another part, in, in the next chapter, Andy thankfully put up uh, chapter 12, which we, we, um, is the next part where Jesus is teaching. And Jesus says in chapter 12, he says, do not set your hearts on what you will eat and drink. Interesting, in terms of my New Year's resolution, eating and drinking. Do not set your heart on what you will eat or drink. Do not worry about it, for the pagan world runs after all these, these things. But your father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom, his kingdom, and everything else will follow. So I don't know what your priorities are for 2024, but here's the encouragement from Jesus. Say to the Lord, first of all, Lord, I want your kingdom to come and your will to be done in my life this year in 2024. And then everything else. And I think it's interesting to think about what the priorities come after that. Uh, I remember someone encouraging me to think c- clearly. Uh, I don't know if any of you we were here for Nicky Gumble when he came and spoke at the Alpha event here. But he was asked uh, when he was at, with us at Sir how do you prioritize yourself? And he said, well, put God first. We talked about that one. But then what's next? He said, well, next it's family. It's your, it's your close family, your parents, your siblings, your uh, spouse, if you have one, your children, if you have them. Uh, those who are closest to you. Then it's your career. And then finally, it's your ministry, what God has called you to do in church. And your career is really important. Your career is where God has called you to be for most of your time, where you work. If you're looking after children, that's your priority. But that's where God has called you to be. But try and get your priorities right. So every year I try and do the same thing again. I list down, right, God first, what does it look like to put God first this year? Second, my family. What does that look like? Put those big stones in, and then you can fill up with the rest, of the little stones afterwards. So, get the right priorities. That's the first thing we learn from Jesus. The second thing is, find the right practices. So, get the right priorities, and then find the right practices. So, I don't know if you've come across Blue Monday. Has anyone heard of Blue Monday? Blue Monday is the third Monday in January. And it's called Blue Monday because it was devised by psychologist Dr. Cliff Arnold in 2004. And it's the formula to find the bleakest day of the whole year. (laughs) Based on distance from uh, the sunshine and exciting things, how far people have failed in their New Year's resolutions, and, uh, and general health and weather. So if you, if you sort of factor all these things in, the third Monday is supposed to be the bleakest of all the days. Now apparently this is not true at all. Proper psychologists have said that there's absolutely no evidence in that. This was all about a marketing campaign to encourage people to go on holiday with a particular (laughs) travel travel company, and that's why they commissioned this guy to do the study. So it's all made up. But there is interesting something. There is quite a lot of statistics about how far New Year's resolutions go. So apparently, by Blue Monday, uh, 50% of people will have already failed in their New Year's resolutions. And by the end of the year, it's about 92%, I think, to try and achieve them throughout the year. So most people fail. So that's encouraging. If you've already failed, you're with a great bunch of people, probably 50% of the people. So um, don't worry about that. But it's interesting, isn't it? Because um, we have these great aspirations, and then we don't manage to fulfill them. Why is that? Well, uh, there, was a, there was a book re- written very recently uh, called Atomic Habits by James Clear. I don't know if you've come across this book, but it's, um, it's one of those sort of New York Times bestsellers. And he says this, he says, We don't rise to the level of our goals. We fall to the level of our systems. We don't rise to the level of our goals. We fall to the level of our systems. In other words, you might have an amazing aspiration. I might have a great aspiration to uh, do the Bristol 10K. But if my systems aren't in place to make that happen, it ain't going to happen. If I'm just going to sit there and watch videos about people running and don't do any running myself, it's not going to help me get there, is it? I will probably die on the way. So... uh, The key is, how do we put into practice those priorities? So once we've worked out God first, family second, career third, how do we then make sure that that happens throughout the year? Well, if we're looking at the Lord's Prayer, what can we learn from what Jesus says? The first part of his advice to his disciples is this. When you pray, say. When you pray, say. When. When. He doesn't say if. If you're going to see God's kingdom come, it's not going to be an if you pray. It's going to be when you pray. In other words, you have to make this a regular part of your life. Don't just hope that God's kingdom might come. Don't just hope that he might be first in your life. Pray it. When you pray. Jesus, it seems, from what we learn from the New Testament, prayed every single morning so much so that his disciples were like what are you doing when you do that well what, what happens when you pray he's kind of giving them a little insight into what happens when you pray say so the encouragement here is to make prayer a regular part of your day your week your month Not in order to sort of say, well done, I've prayed. Not to get your watch to say, congratulations, you've done another prayer. But in order to see God's kingdom come, to see, be part of that thing happening. And uh, Jesus here says, when you pray. In in Matthew's gospel, we had a bit more uh, stuff. He tells us a little bit more explanation. He says, when you pray, go into your room. In other words, where you pray is as important as when you pray. I don't know where works for you to pray in your daily, weekly routine. Uh, for me, it used to be in the morning, in my room, before I did anything else. I have children now. They have ruined my prayer life. <laughs> Actually, I had a wife before that who also ruined my prayer life. Anyway, uh, she, Uh, uh, in in the nicest possible way. Anyway, they're wonderful, but I've had to change and adapt. So my most recent strategy was uh, when I I, I now, I used to take Emma, our two-year-old, to nursery in town. And what I used to do was uh, I used to put in my earphones and listen to the Bible in one year as I pushed her in her buggy and she couldn't really speak and she'd just look at everything. And that was fantastic. I found a new way of doing it. But now she started speaking. To me, annoyingly, while I'm trying to listen to, to God, Emma, priority is God, not you. You're God's first. Not you. But unfortunately, she keeps interrupting. She will not take no for an answer. So I'm going to have to find a new strategy for prayer in the mornings. What I think I'm going to do is get to work and then give me 20 minutes when I get to work to try and do it. But I don't know what it looks like for you. Where, are, where is the new pattern that you need to find for 2024 to say, when you pray? Go into your room. He says, "Go into your room and pray to your Father who is unseen." In other words, try and minimise distraction. I think that's what he's saying. I don't know if you find it easy to pray. I find it really hard to pray. There's so much going on. The phone needs to be off. The watch needs to be off. Everyone, all the other side, everything else has to be silent so I can listen to the Lord and what He's saying to me, and so I can pray. Um, I love this 1102 campaign. Fantastic. This is taken straight from here. Luke eleven chapter two, uh, Luke eleven uh, verse verse two. Uh, maybe you could use those prayer cards, as a little reminder. Maybe setting that little alarm on my watch. I have an alarm on my. We passed eleven have two, didn't we? It went off earlier in the service, and it's. I'm sorry about that, but it was a reminder for me. I've got to pray, Lord, Your kingdom come, Your will be done in my life. Maybe that's something that you could think about doing yourself. I don't know whether you find it easy to pray. Some people find it really hard to pray on their own. I'm an introvert. I love praying on my own. But if you're an extrovert, you might find it really hard. Find a friend who you could pray with that will help you. So, uh, get the right priorities. Put in place the right practices. And finally, pray bold prayers. Pray bold prayers. I don't know if you picked this up. on. Um, this is the verse 11. After Jesus talked about the Lord's Prayer, he then tells a little story. I'm going to read the, the message version just to give it a little bit more flavor. He says, then he said this. Imagine what would happen if you went to a friend in the middle of the night. So imagine your neighbor or whoever you live upstairs or downstairs from in your apartment, wherever you are. And you went to them in the middle of the night and said, friend. Lend me three loaves of bread. Can you imagine knocking on the door of your neighbor at two in the morning and said, Friend, (laughs) you're my friend, lend me three loaves of bread. An old friend travelling through has just showed up and I have nothing on hand. The friend answers from his bed. He's not even getting out of bed. Don't bother me. The door's locked. My children are all down for the night. If you are a parent, and you know what this guy is talking about the kids are asleep i'm not going to do anything to change that i can't get you up and get up and give you anything but then this is what jesus says but let me tell you even if he won't get up because he's your friend if you stand your ground knocking and waking all the neighbors he'll finally get up and get you whatever you need so obviously he's not saying that god is an angry neighbor. He's not saying that. The point he's making, he says the point straight afterwards, he says, here's what I'm saying. Ask, and you will get. Seek, and you'll find. Knock, and the door will be open. In the NIV, the, word, the, the phrase they use is, because of your shameless audacity. Did you hear that when we read it out? Because of your shameless audacity. What does it look like to be shamelessly audacious with your prayers to God? To knock on the door and keep knocking and say, I'm not going to give up. I'm going to keep on asking for these bold things. I, I love, Cheryl, what you shared earlier about prayer. It was really powerful. And obviously, it made me think of things that I've seen before of God answering prayers. It also brought to mind things where I haven't seen an answer to prayer. And that's really hard. I don't know if you've prayed for things and you haven't seen them answered. It's really, really hard. But what it, the choice we've got is either to say, well, I give up or to keep on going. And that encourages me to keep on praying. The things that I've been praying for, it gives me a new spur of inspiration. Like, okay, 2024, I'm going to go again. I'm going to keep on praying and not give up. And the thing is that faith is a muscle. The more we pray, if you go to the gym, I don't know if anyone's gym is their New Year's resolution, the more you build muscle, the more you exercise it, the more it grows. This is not a very good example, is it? <laughs> I need someone else uh, up here. Uh, Reuben, Reuben, I need you. Sorry, Reuben, to fit you up. Uh, I need someone else to show you. Anyway, but the, if you build muscle, it, it grows, does not it? And faith is like that. The more we pray audacious prayers the more our faith begins to grow, we begin to see little answers to prayer. Say, that one got answered. As I hear Cheryl's prayer, I'm like, yes, that one got answered. I'm going to pray again. The more we share those prayers, the more encouraged we get to go again and to pray and to not give up praying. I mentioned uh, that St. Nick's uh, started five years ago. Uh, Jill and my wife, uh, my wife and I, we were thinking about coming to Bristol and moving here to start the church. And uh, one of the big challenges was there is, um, there's a big painting in there. You've got a big plane. We've got a big painting. Uh, yours is slightly more valuable. No, I don't know, actually. No, maybe not. Ours is worth about a million pounds. So I think yours is probably a bit more than that. Anyway, so, um, but the problem was that we couldn't open the church because this painting was there. And we were like praying and praying. And we didn't know. Basically, the council who had the lease on the building said, well, we don't know what to do with the painting. We'd love you to come in. We don't want to do it." And it was this big saga. And after a while, we explored every option, and we thought, we've exhausted every option. And the only thing we can do is pray. And we just prayed, and prayed every single prayer meeting was, Lord, help us sort out the painting. And um, eventually, the council came up with an idea and said, okay, we'll let you have the building with the painting in it. And before that, they were absolutely resolute that wasn't going to happen. And we came to this amazing agreement. Now, as that happened, I got an email from a a lady called Pam who runs uh, something called Intercessors for Bristol. Intercessors is a fancy word for prayers. Prayers for Bristol. And uh, she said, it's so interesting that you're going to move into that building when it became public. She said, um, a few years ago, a Canadian guy came along to our prayer meeting, a little meeting on a prayer barge. And he came along and he said, 'Um, I feel like we need to go and pray around that building. The history of the building is it hasn't been a church since the Second World War. And he said, I think we need to pray that that church becomes a church again. So he told us all to go and pray around this building, this Canadian guy, and then they didn't see him again. And they went back there. Pam, it's Pam and her friend Mavis uh, went back there every single week and, and prayed. And one day they knocked on the door, and there was someone from the council that let them in, and uh, they said, oh, there's a very expensive painting in here. And, pa- and, and um, Pam and Mavis felt that they should pray that the church would reopen and that the painting would stay where it was. She said, when I heard that you have reopened it, I just was filled with enthusiasm to pray again because of what's happened. And we've seen amazing things happen because of the prayers of Pam and Mavis and a random Canadian guy. My encouragement to you is to pray and to share those prayers, share the struggles, share the answers to prayer, Get others to pray for things, because if Jesus is right on this, if we pray, Lord, your kingdom come, your will be done, if we put him first, if we practice those practices of prayer as much as we can, if we pray bold prayers, we'll see amazing things happen. In this church, beyond this church, in this area of Bristol, in the whole of Bristol, we'll see God's kingdom come. And that's what we're praying for, isn't it? So let's pray and uh, I'd love us to pray, actually, as we as we close with a prayer from uh, John Wesley. So John Wesley, uh, as you may know, preached in Bristol very regularly. Preached on St Nicholas Street, where we are, and uh, this is a wonderful prayer that he prays um, along the lines. This is a, this is a Methodist prayer, actually, that, that Methodists pray in the new year. And I think we're gonna we've got a, we might have it on the screen. Do we? Have, yes. Okay. This prayer really is saying what we've just said, along the lines of Jesus saying, Lord, your kingdom come, your will be done for 2024. So I wonder, could we read, I know this is not very, um, it's quite, uh, I don't know what it is, liturgical. But I'd love it if we could read this prayer together. If you're happy to just have a little scan through the words, if you're happy to read this, let's pray this together as our sort of prayer for 2024. Are you ready? I am no longer my own, but yours. Put me to what you will. Rank me with whom you will. Put me to doing. Put me to suffering. Let me be employed for you or laid aside for you, exalted for you or brought low for you. Let me be full. Let me be empty. Let me have all things let me have nothing. I freely and wholeheartedly yield all things to your pleasure and disposal. And now, glorious and blessed God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, you are mine and I am yours. So be it. And the covenant now made on earth, let it be ratified in heaven. Amen. Thank you.